I've been talking about these Grinches, and today I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4 and talk to you about getting rid of this Grinch of anger. And I think it would be a great way to end this year, would it not? To make some uh, effort to get rid of the anger that so often plagues us. A visit to the manger ought to do some things for us. Really celebrating Christmas, remembering the Christ child, this ought to bring a new sense of who we are to us and how we ought to act. We can't really come to this humble manger, this lowly setting, and hang on to our pride, our arrogance, and our self-importance. The manger attacks that kind of attitude in us. There's a humility to the manger, the condescension of our great God that he would appear on the planet like this. And all of a sudden, we just can't hang on to some of those attitudes we've had before. We know as we visit the manger that those attitudes are simply inconsistent with this kind of God who rules our world and calls us to himself. I want you to think about what the Christ of Christmas may be calling you to change in your life. And one of the things may be the level of anger in your heart. Everybody deals with some anger, all right? And some of us deal with a lot. And it may be the most destructive emotion that we harbor in our hearts. So I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4 now, and I'm going to read verses 29 through 32, but I recommend to you this entire chapter. The Apostle Paul is talking to people whom he dearly loves. He spent more, more than two years in Ephesus building this church, calling people to faith in Christ. He really cares about them, and there's a kind of plea in his, in his writing and a longing in his heart. To see these folks who trusted Christ remain true to that calling. And in verse 27, 29 he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, and every kind of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The Apostle Paul describes to these believers their former life. He talks to them about how they used to be. In verse 17, he says that the Gentiles lived a certain way, and it's how you grew up. It's what you knew. He says, you're not to live that way any longer. You have a past. 
In Christ, you have a future. Coming to Christ, you have a past. Don't let the past dictate who you are. Anger is part of your past. Get rid of all of it. There's a new Star Wars movie out in case you hadn't heard. (laughs) Harrison Ford is in it, all right? I'm not going to tell you what happens to him, all right? But I was surprised in the movie to hear him say to the person we used to call Princess Leia, who's now a general, to say to her, I went back to being who I used to be It was the only thing I was good at. He was a smuggler. And he spoke his words with regret. And there was kind of a redemption for Han Solo in this movie. Because he had gone back to somebody he used to be. And it wasn't a noble kind of person. You have the temptation to go back to somebody you used to be. Those old tapes play in your mind and in your heart, and they're hard to get rid of. In fact, you really don't get rid of some of those memories. And if you grew up in an angry home with an angry dad or an angry mother, if you grew up around anger, those tapes are in your head. And sometimes when you get confused and you're not sure what to do next, you drop back to those old tapes, the way you used to be, the things you saw before. And you fall into a pattern that you know doesn't have anything to do with the baby born at Bethlehem, the humble God who descends from heaven to care for us in this kind of way, the gentleness The amazing love that is anchored here. You know the way you're behaving isn't the calling of your worship of Christ. And so the Apostle Paul reminds them, look, this is how it used to be. You used to live this way in the futility of your thinking. You used to be darkened in your understanding. And there's a lot in the movie, of course, about dark and light. In fact, that is a very common theme in literature as well as in cinema. The dark and the light. The dark side drawing you. I've been thinking about darkened understanding. Some people understand the world in a dark kind of way. Their understanding is dark. For them, pain, sorrow, and death are the ultimate realities of living on the planet. And so it's a dark place to be, and a dark journey to make, and a dark world in which to live, and a dark kind of life that you live when these are your fundamentals, and basically there's a kind of hopelessness and despair to it. There's sort of an inevitable unraveling of all there is in it. It's sort of a dark understanding of the world. And maybe there were some people in Bethlehem who had this dark understanding of the world. That ultimate realities are really the ones that are dark and bleak. But really you can't come to the babe at Bethlehem and hold on to this dark understanding of the world, can you? 
Because when you come to Jesus born in Bethlehem, it is good news of great joy for everybody on the planet. And the Apostle Paul was reminding these Christians who seem to have forgotten of the great hope they have in Christ, the wonderful love that is displayed in the coming of the Savior. And you just can't live in a darkened corner of the world and really be true to the babe born at Bethlehem. Those of you who may have your face turned into a dark corner remind me of those armadillos we used to catch in Central Texas. We'd find him out in the open and we'd start chasing him and an armadillo will dash into his hole and get almost all the way in and leave his tail hanging out and think you can't see him. It's dark to him, so it must be dark to everybody. And when he dashes in the hole, you can just reach down there and grab his tail. Now, it's hard because he's got long claws and he hangs onto the dirt pretty strong, but you can just pull him right out of there with his tail. He thinks when he's dark, everything's dark. Okay, here's what I'm about to tell you now, and I want you to get this, okay? If you think darkness is the ultimate reality, you are wrong. All right? You live in a world that you think you understand, and your understanding is dark, and you are dead wrong. There is a good God who made you and cares about you. And the message of Christmas is the message of his amazing love for you. And these, my friends, the love of God, the goodness of God, and his presence on this planet, and his call to a great hope, these are the ultimate realities around which life needs to be configured. In other words, you need a light understanding. Not a dark understanding. Somehow this babe born at Bethlehem, in the most difficult conditions, you may be saying, well, you don't understand my life. Well, do you understand his life? You know where he was born? You know what the future holds for this baby? Who brought such hope to the planet, such love, such power, such wonderful forgiveness. See, it's not the circumstances of your life that have turned your understanding dark. It's that you have raised these circumstances until they are your ultimate reality. And you are now configuring your world and your view of the world around these circumstances which are temporal and time-bound, not eternal. And the baby born at Bethlehem is God's word to you. This baby is light. This baby is life. And he became flesh so that you might see the glory of God made known in him and know that he is full of grace and truth. Some of you are descending back toward where you were before because you suppose that is true. And Jesus himself is here to reveal not only grace, which is wonderful, but truth as well. See, if it were disconnected from truth, 
the light would eventually go out. But he who is grace is also truth. And he is the light of your world. Don't live in the darkness. Abandon that darkened understanding, separated from the life of God. Don't harden your heart like people have in the past and losing their sensitivity. The Apostle Paul actually talks about this, and he lived in Ephesus long enough to see this happening to people where their hearts just got hard. And it was difficult for God to get through and his word to get through them because their hearts were so hard. They'd grown insensitive, not only to God, but the people around them. He says they had every kind of impurity going on. They gave themselves over to sensuality, which is just a kind of hopelessness. All we've got is these appetites and satisfying them, and that's it. That's what life is about. So eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow you die. This kind of hopelessness, this despair, they turn themselves over to that. Full of greed, that's how he sums it up. Don't go back to your former life. You've come to Bethlehem, live in the light. In the light of this great truth that changes everything. In the light of this wonderful child who is the savior, not only of the world, but of your savior as well. Don't live as the Gentiles do. Paul insisted on this in the Lord. This is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The truth that is in Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. That's where we are. That's why we have Christmas. Celebrating the truth which is in Jesus, the Christ child. Anchoring our life to this truth. Now the culture pushes you away from this truth. And there's a darkness and fear in the culture. And in people around you. And you hear this message in all kind of ways. From all kind of voices. But today we are listening to the voice of Jesus. And we are seeking to be Jesus people in our world. Which we often say here at First Baptist. We are Jesus people. And we are anchored in Jesus and we're seeking to follow him and live our lives conformed to his call, his will, his purpose, and his words. Don't go back to the old you. Anger's part of your past. Get rid of it. Put off the old you. You were taught, Paul says earlier, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self. Get rid of that old self. You've got something stored up in your attic that you're going to throw away, right? Part of Christmas is going to places you don't normally go to in your own house. At least it is for me. And going to the closet where you store the wreaths and all those things and finding that Christmas tree that is now 11 seasons old. And you've been pulling the strands so that you can make bright the circle around the tree where one strand died and you can't fix it because it's pre-lit. All right? So, this year, you're throwing it away. I threw the box away already. That's so I won't keep it, you know? I'm tempted to keep the old thing, but I'm going to get rid of it. 
Put off the old stuff. There's some stuff you need to get rid of. That's part of what Christmas does. It, it brings us to a place with our family and spiritually and in our homes and in our own emotions that we need to visit because it's a place of hope and renewal. There is an old you, you know, the person you used to be before you met Christ. It's the lifestyle and worldview out of which you were delivered. You've got to throw it off. When Paul says put off, he uses a word that is used to describe the council of religious leaders as they took their cloaks off and put them at the foot of, of Saul of Tarsus. When you read that, you don't realize, but some of those guys are so mad, they're just tearing those cloaks off. They're throwing them off and throwing them down in a pile at, Paul's, at Saul's feet, and they're picking up those stones. The word is used again in Hebrews chapter 12 where it talks about that we are to lay aside the sin that hinders us, to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles us. you got to throw it off. Paul uses it here to describe what we must do concerning the previous way of life, that we learn from our forefathers if they didn't know Christ, that we pick up in the culture around us day after day. we got to throw it aside. Don't be the person that you were before you met Jesus. Don't be the person that the culture wants to shape you into being. Instead, be the person that Jesus has called you to be and modeled for you in his own life. You say, well, I thought I did that. Do it again. The old ways creep up on us. They come over us. Sometimes they do so without even us really being conscious of it. And suddenly we're in the angry pattern again. And it is surfaced in us. And there's bitterness and there's rage and malice and slander. These six words that he used to describe anger in the human heart. Don't you know it's wrecking you? Don't you know it's tearing you up? It's killing the things you love. Don't you know that anger inside of you? It's poisoning who you are. It's carrying you away from who you want to be. And it's poisoning the relationships of your life. Don't be that angry man. You say, well, that's who I am. No, that's who you're choosing to be. The scripture would not challenge you to throw it off if you couldn't do it. Maybe you were predisposed by your history to being an angry person. But today you come to the manger and you say, Jesus, I don't want to be the angry man that I learned when I was a boy. I want to get rid of all. All. All anger, all rage, all malice, all brawling, all slander. I want to get rid of all. All of it. If there's a part in your heart that you want to hold on to, that's the part that poisons you. That's the part that's inside like an infection in your soul. You can't hold on to it. You got to get rid of all anger. All malice, all rage, it's got to go. This bitterness has got to go. 
the Holy Spirit is here today. He knew you were coming. Maybe you didn't know what you were going to hear. I'm sure you didn't. I want you to receive this as a message from God because I believe it is absolutely true. This is what God is calling you to do. He wants you to lay aside all anger. Get rid of it. Put off the old self. It compromises your integrity in Christ. Put off the old self. It hurts your family. Put off the old self. You'll never reach the goals God has for you and you have for yourself if you hang on to this baggage that you're dragging behind you and dragging with you. Put away all anger. It took root in your heart somehow. Address it at its core. I don't know why we want to stay angry and bitter and full of rage. I don't know why we want to. We don't want to, do we? We don't want to be that way. Well, let's decide today, through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, through submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ my Lord, I am repenting of and turning from this angry way of life that I've harbored, that I've held on to, that I learned. I'm turning it loose. I'm throwing it off. The Holy Spirit will empower you to do it if you will let him. He's got to have your cooperation. You say, well, what am I going to do if I put off that old me and get rid of that anger and bitterness? Well, you're going to put on something new. Put on the new self, he says, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on that new self. It's going to surprise you how it looks. You're going to look good in this new self, in this understanding that is full of light, in this thinking that is not governed by hopelessness and despair, but is governed by God's hope and His love. You're going to like the way you look. Janet and I were trying to buy a coat or identify a coat for my daughter, Rachel, who is right over here. And I was modeling them. How many of you saw those pictures of me modeling the coat? Yeah, I see some of you. There were all kind of comments about how good a model I was with that coat. I was trying to be like the mannequin, you know, holding it up, looking stern. And they put them on Facebook. I didn't know they were going to do that. <laughs> but uh, people wrote and they said, hey, that really looks good on you, those little furry coats and things. You got to put on something new. You can't just take off the old. You can't just say, hey, I'm not going to be that person anymore. You've got to identify who you are going to be. Peter had a hard time with this. The apostle Peter had a hard time with this. He fell so flat, so far, so completely in his denial of Jesus. He thought he could never get back. He just thought there was no future for him in the light anymore. He went fishing. He went back to what he used to do. Back to who he used to be. And it required a confrontation that Jesus set up beside the Sea of Galilee where Peter's on one side of the campfire and Jesus on the other and Jesus catches his eye and he looks him straight in the eye and he says, Peter, do you love me? And there's somebody in the room who used to walk with Jesus and the Holy Spirit is calling you to the fireside and he's saying, look, do you love me? 
Do you love me? Okay, you have a tough history. You've been some hard places. You've taken some hard falls. You've done things you weren't proud of. But it's not over. Jesus is full of grace. He loves to forgive. He wants to catch your eye this morning. He wants wants to have this one-on-one with you. Through his spirit, he wants to say, hey, do you love me? If you love me, I've got a future for you. Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. For every denial he made, Jesus made him say, I love you. I'll tell you one thing. Jesus loves you. Not the person next to you, not the person up here, not the person in the band, not the deacons in the church. Jesus loves you. And he calls you to a future with him that is full of light and hope and love. And he wants you to live in this place. And 2016 could be such a different year for you if you would lay aside all anger, bitterness, and rage and put on the new garments of love and peace and joy and faith in the Holy Spirit and be able to live this way what a difference it would make in you you can see the new you in the manger what you take to be poverty is actually wealth What seems so pitiful is actually full of hope and light. Here at the manger, you learn both what you are not and what you are in Christ. The humility of God in the manger is his announcement of hope for every hurting heart. God's been with you even in your angry ways, even in your bitterness an unforgiving spirit, and he wants to give you hope, which you feel maybe you have lost. And maybe that's what makes you angry. You've lost your hope. Christmas is the announcement that no matter how far you have fallen, there is still hope because God is with us. I challenge you, to receive the message of Christmas this year, to end this year on the high note of Christ's love and hope, to receive it as your calling, to recognize again who you really are in Christ, and to live out that reality in your world. Bow with me, please. As we bow our heads, maybe your response where the Holy Spirit is drawing you to is a act of your will and heart to in this moment say to God, I lay aside the anger that I've nursed and harbored in my heart. I'm letting it go. Could you speak this to God as a prayer? Could you speak to God the commitment of your heart 
to throw off the old life, the old ways, the old attitudes, and take on the new that is represented in Jesus and the manger. Lord, you hear our hearts, and even as we pray, we know that everything we ask requires your power in us. That this is not something we do just in our discipline and our will, but it requires your Holy Spirit in us. And so, Lord, we pray that you might find us cooperating with you in this moment as you call us from the things that are self-destructive destructive of our relationships and our families and you call us to what is wholesome and pure the life that we live and learn in Christ so God we pray for you to do your work in us in this last worship service of 2015 do your cleansing work and call us to yourself we pray in Jesus' name.